a large part of our lives um, these days begin with the idea of distance, social distancing, uh, learning at a distance, distance learning. We want to go out to a meal, we are outside. Uh, get our hair cut, we're outside. At church, we're outside uh, in order to maintain a safe distance from one another. Um, normally, you'd call up a friend, meet him for coffee at a coffee shop, but now it's Zoom, and you want to keep safe. But all this attention on distance can take a toll on us. It, it brings its own challenges. During several meetings I had this week with staff and some other pastors and also some key leaders of the church, during our conversation, at one point I would ask, I said, I'm wondering if it's just me, but I think we're all dealing with some level of depression because of the distance that we have to maintain from one another. On the computer screen, these Zoom calls, everybody would say, yeah. Part of it all comes also from the uncertainty that we face in our world these days. Um, the navigating global pandemic, and we got some difficulties in our country uh, facing uh, social fissures, uh, groups isolating themselves and arguing and fighting and desperate things throughout the world. We think of Syria and Lebanon and our our mission partners there, the Parkers, actually, they're apart right now. She's not able to be back with Scott because of flights, and they're at a distance. We need to keep our mission partners in Lebanon and Syria in our prayers because of the distance. You know, it continues to be unclear when certain things that we relied on uh, will be back and that will resume. Um, things that we normally could count on. So you add in the stress, the anxiety, the isolation, the distance, the burnout, the redundancy, and top it all off with the distance. It takes a toll on our emotional well-being. And talking about it, it helps, you know, when we talk to one another and we can carry our burdens together. Throughout Scripture, we're reminded that we are to take our burdens to the Lord, the things that concern us, the deep hurts, the pains, the uncertainties, and we bring them before the Lord. Place it in faith in the God's hands, in the God's mighty power. You know, I spend each morning in prayer reading Scripture. I pray for you, and I, I pray through the Psalms. I, I usually land on a Psalm for the week, and this week was Psalm 130. It says this, the psalmist cries out, Out of the depths I cry to you, O Lord. O Lord, hear my voice. Be attentive to my cry for mercy. I wait for the Lord. My soul waits. And in his word I put my hope. For the psalmist, the bottom is the beginning to fall out uh, from under him. He cries from the depths. And from a great distance he calls to God, be attentive to my appeal, O God. Hear my cry. In the New Testament, there's a story of an individual whose life is starting to fall apart. Uh, the bottom is about to fall out from under him. And he's desperate for God's mercy, and he's earnest for God's healing. 
It's a story of coming to faith when the bottom is all about to fall out, all but to fall out from his life. So if you have here and you got the handout, um, it has the passage there. If you're listening online, uh, turn with me to John chapter 4, verse 46 through 54. Allow me to read out of the New International Version. Once more, he, that's Jesus, visited Cana in Galilee, where he had turned the water into wine. And there was a certain royal official whose son lay sick at Capernaum. When this man heard that Jesus had arrived in Galilee from Judea, he went to him and begged him, Come and heal his son, who was close to death. Unless you people see signs and wonders, Jesus said, you will never believe. The royal official said, Sir, come down before my child dies. Go, Jesus replied. Your son will live. The man took Jesus at his word and departed. While he was still on his way, his servants met him with the news that his boy was living. They're still working on the preschool right now. When he inquired as to what time his son got better, they said to him, Yesterday, at one in the afternoon, the fever left him. When the father realized that This was the exact time at which Jesus had said to him, your son will live. So he and his whole household believed. This was the second sign Jesus performed after coming from Judea to Galilee. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Jesus once again is traveling north. Just encountered the woman at the well. We know that story and she uh, is an outcast in her village, and she goes uh, to the well in the afternoon when normally people would go in the morning, and she's by herself, and Jesus talks to her, and through their conversation, she believes, and she runs down to her village and says, I have met the Messiah, the Christ, and the town is like, well, we want to meet him too, and so Jesus comes down to them, and they meet him, and they encourage Jesus to stay with them for, for two more days, and the town, these Samaritans, They come to believe. Now Jesus returns to the town of Cana where it's about 10 miles from his his own hometown. Why he avoids Nazareth, John tells us, the prophet has no honor in his hometown. Um, The other gospels affirm that as well, Matthew and Luke. As Jesus reaches Cana, he's met by this royal official traveled from Capernaum to meet Jesus about 20 miles northeast along the shores of Galilee. It's a beautiful lakeside area where royalty would live. may not seem like a long distance to us, 20 miles, but back in the first century, maybe it's more like uh, if you were going to take a long road trip and you got in your car and you started on the 5 freeway and you went over the grapevine into Bakersfield and your air conditioning goes out, of course, and then you got to head to um, the Bay Area. That's about what that walk would have been. So the royal, we presume this person who comes and confronts Jesus and says, Heal my son is a royal official out of Herod's uh, household. And not many people around in the crowd would have appreciated the fact that this guy, this from Herod's household, was talking to Jesus. 
basically the enemy. Herod had a reputation of oppressing the Jews. Herod's long and brutal work and hardship on the Jews. He was basically a puppet king and installed by imperial Rome. He was no friend of the Galileans. Finding Jesus, the royal official, he begs Jesus only to receive a rebuke. Did you catch that? Unless you people are dazzled by a miracle, you'll never believe. Most scholars agree the rebuke is for everyone watching in the interaction. If anybody wants to go down and ask our friend to turn off his vacuum, I will not be upset. We're outside. That's what happens, right? It's unpredictable. And yet now the man persists. He says, come, meet. Come and be with my child, my child, before he dies. And Jesus says to the man, simply, go home. Your son lives. And the next phrase is not to be missed, dear friends. The man took Jesus at his word and departed. Other translations help capture the essence of what the man, how he responds. He says, it says, he believed in Jesus' word. He took Jesus at his word. One translation, the bare word of Jesus that was spoken to him, and he headed home. Thank you, Mike Cox. It was like, it, it wasn't like, oh, okay, well, thanks, but no thanks, Jesus. Uh... Or, well, I tried, and he didn't come with me. I guess there's no hope. We're told that he trusted Jesus at his word. Trusted Jesus' ability to heal at a great distance, right? I think there's three important lessons of faith that come from our story this evening that we can take away with us. And if you've got a handout, you can write these down. First, the man of royal, of high royal status, he approached Jesus in humility. Royal officials, they're accustomed to ordering people around and telling them what to do. And if somebody's going to come up to them, that person is going to kneel before them. This man humbles himself before this carpenter, a peasant's son. Now the tables have turned. And yet he doesn't hesitate to humble himself before the Messiah. He swallows his pride. Sometimes, and I confess, there are times that I'm like, I got this thing. I got it under control, Lord. Why don't you just tag along and watch me do my work? I got it under control. And that's not at all the posture of this man, is it? He humbles himself before the Lord, broken and ready to receive Jesus' word. The second lesson of faith that we have in our story is that he's re- he refuses to be discouraged. He's re- he does not become discouraged. He hears the sharp rebuke. He's not sure if it's for him or for the crowd, but he persists. Many people believe it was Jesus was directing this to the whole crowd. They've come to watch Jesus do something miraculous to dazzle them, and they won't be happy that the fact that this man's healing takes this son's healing takes place a long ways away. It will be on faith that this royal leader will believe in Jesus, right? How about you? 
in your life? Are you easily discouraged? Can you be discouraged when you don't hear the answer that you were hoping to hear? Or the situation doesn't turn out the way you were hoping? I confess there are times I can get easily discouraged. Well, not this man. He turns and he takes, in the third lesson of faith, he takes Jesus at his word. He takes Jesus at his word. He believed enough to turn back and walk that 20 miles, drive over the grapevine, walk through Bakersfield in the heat, trusting that what Jesus said would come true, that his son would be healed. When Jesus says something, it's not a case of it might be true or it might, maybe, who knows? No, friends, it's true. It's true. I think the greatest lesson in our story today comes from the awareness that there's a difference between believing because we've seen something and believing on the strength of Jesus' words. Believing on the strength of Jesus' words. He took Jesus' word for it even when he couldn't see it. What word or words of Jesus do you need to take seriously this week, my friends? Believe on him and trust your circumstance to Jesus. I have a few for you. They're all from the gospel according to John. You might be familiar with these, John three sixteen and 17. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. And here's an important, the 17th verse. God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, no, but to save the world. The world might be saved through him. Maybe the word of Jesus to you that you need to reflect on or put faith in or to to hear is a question. Often Jesus asks questions. Sometimes he would say, do you want to be healed? Never forcing himself on the person. Do you want to be healed? Do you want forgiveness? Do you want to be reconciled? Do you want to be forgiven? Do you want to be healed? That's out of John 5, 6. Or how about those moments when worry and anxiety mount up and the storms rage around us? In John 6, 20, we are reminded that Jesus will walk on water to tell us this. It is I. Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. John eleven twenty five. I am the resurrection and life. Anyone who believes in me will have life. He tells that to Mary and Martha when they worry about their brother, Lazarus. John 14, 1. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Believe in God and believe also in me. As a father has loved me, so I have loved you. Remain in my love. John 15, 9. John 20, 21. Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I send you. In the end, the royal prince, he returns home, and we are told that he maintains faith, and his whole household comes to faith. I wonder if it was partly due to the fact that he shared his faith with the household. He encouraged his entire household to believe. And remember, he's going back to hostile territory, Herod's household. It wasn't like, okay, I got what I wanted. 
I got the healing, I got the cure, and now I can go about my regular business and just kind of forget about it. No, his life was changed forever, forever through faith. His life was marked by faith. There's a boy walking around his house right now, constant reminder of God's grace and healing in his life. And they're not going to let that go. What reminders do you have in your life of God's faithfulness and healing and provision? Maybe it's how you share that with others that will sustain faith. And yet, perhaps, in areas of our lives, we're still on that journey, on that road back. We're still on that 20-mile journey, journey of faith, believing what Jesus said will take place, even though we can't see it now. And there are times we're not given the privilege of insight into a particular journey of faith. We're not sure when we might reach the promise on certain things in our lives, uncertainties, healings, worries. What does the resurrected Jesus tell Thomas? He says, you believe because you have seen. Blessed are those who believe and yet have not seen. They're not always given the privilege of seeing the results of Jesus' word. And that's the mystery of faith, dear friends. That's why it's called faith, right? We read out of Hebrews, faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. That is the word to us this day, dear friends. And we respond to God's word with gratitude. And we show that gratitude with thanksgiving. We thank God for his provision in our lives. We thank God for the ways that he has blessed us and the ways that he has encouraged us in our faith. And so we give. We give our time and our talent and our financial resources. And I want to thank you for your generosity, dear friends. Thank you for supporting us in this time during this pandemic, allowing us to be able to go online and to to purchase equipment so that we can do things like this. And thank you for giving money towards our regathering mission initiative. So thank you. I'm going to pray as we give. Give now, give online. Thank you. Let's pray. God, thank you for the ways that you have provided for us in our lives, providing a church, providing a church family, providing our families, providing the gift of faith that we might entrust you with those things in our lives that are difficult for us to handle, difficult for us to understand. And yet, like this man, we walk that journey of faith Trusting in your word. The words that you share with us, that you love us, that you encourage us, and that by your mercy you are with us. So God, we thank you for these gifts and the opportunity to share, opportunities to give out of faith. Strengthen us this week whatever challenges we face, the joys, the hopes, the dreams, God, be with us. Walk with us every step of the way in the journey that we have. In Christ's name we pray. And all God's people say, amen.